Let me invite you this morning to find your sermon notes. You can follow along as we go, fill in the blanks. More importantly, talk about it, especially the topic today. If you have children, talk about the message with your children. If you don't have children at home, then call them. Today would be a good time. Text them, whatever, have a conversation with your children. Speaking of children, I, I have a, a little book at home that includes some wonderful prayers from children. I want to share a couple with you this morning to start us out. The first one goes like this. Dear God, maybe Cain and Abel would not kill each other so much if they had their own rooms. It works with my brother. Ironically, that comes from a boy named Larry. I don't know, just think about that one, those of you who know about that. Eugene writes, I didn't think orange went with purple until I saw the sunset you made on Tuesday. That was cool, right? Another one, Lucy, are you really invisible or is that just a trick? All right. Norma writes, did you mean for a giraffe to look like that or was it an accident? Here's one, Jane said, Lord, instead of letting people die and having to make new ones, why don't you just keep the ones you got now? Hmm. Fair enough. And my favorite, Nora writes, I don't ever feel alone since I found out about you. Kids do say the darndest things, don't they? But in our text today, we see that Jesus really says some amazing things about children for children, but also for all of us. In fact, these are his words from our text. Let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. We're going to look at a picture this morning, and I was reminded when I first saw this picture of, of another picture, and it was from uh, the Da Vinci Code. The, there was a novel and then a book, and the whole premise was that when you saw the paintings of Leonardo da Vinci, if you looked hard enough, you would unravel a mystery that was hidden in the painting. Now, we're not going to do that because I want this to be very clear, but as we, as we look at this picture, which might be dubbed children in the arms of a loving God, I want you to see three lessons, not mysteries at all, but three lessons that will be for all of us, at least at one point or another. And the first one does involve parents, so raise your hand if you're a parent. A lot of you are parents, and isn't it true that you're always a parent? No matter how old your kids are, I'm still a parent. My kids are grown, still a parent. Uh, before my parents died, they were still parents. And now my, my wife's parents are really my parents. So you never really grow out of being a parent. So here's, here's a couple of things that I think that I know. First of all, that parents want the best for their children. Would you raise your hand if that's true? Parents want the best. We want the best, don't we? Now, I mean, you know, maybe, you know, you can't always measure the very, very, very best, but we want what's good. We want the best for our kids. So the best education, the best friends, the best things, the best life for our kids. And so it was no different 2,000 years ago. Parents were bringing their little ones, and Luke says infants 
So toddlers, little babies, and they were bringing these, these children to Jesus in order for him to touch them because that would be a blessing. A rabbi would put his hands on a child and bless them. So they wanted the best for their children, but they, just like today, recognized that we all have this parental instinct, I think, and that is <clears throat> we recognize that much of life is out of our control. Would you raise your hand if that's true? Can you control everything? I know I can't. I wish I could, but I can't. I mean, all kinds of things, and bad things sometimes. It's out of our control, so we want to put as much control back in our life as we can. So they were bringing their kids to Jesus because, as we'll see in the next line there, Jesus is the one who will meet the need that you have inside of you for your children. But not everyone sees that. Just one example, I had a, had a couple that I had married. It was in another church, but it probably could be just about any time. <clears throat> Young couple, and, and I did the counseling with them. And, you know, I said to them after, after the wedding, I hope this isn't the last time that I see you. <laughs> uh, you need to be in church. You, you, need, you need this group. You need this, this system of support in your, in your journey in, in life. And well, I wasn't successful. They weren't there. I hadn't seen them for a couple of years. And then they had a baby. And they were back. <laughs> and that was great because... I couldn't convince them, but their child could. They knew that they couldn't control everything in life, and they needed this support. And Jesus truly is the one that all of us need, certainly as parents, to fulfill these things for our children. So I want to I ask you this question, parents in particular. Are you trusting Jesus with your little ones. And then, how do you go about it? Well, I would suggest two things. We're going to go through these. First of all, by prayer, and secondly, by living out a genuine Christian life. But really, they, they go hand in glove together. Let me talk about prayer a little bit. <clears throat> I just mentioned that as parents, we want the very best for our kids, but do we always know what is the very best? If not, then that is why we pray. So, for example, we want the best education. That doesn't necessarily mean the most elite school. It doesn't necessarily mean the one that has the best rating. The best education comes from you, truly, as parents. Because who spends the most time with your kids, especially when they're small? You do. More than the school, more than they spend with their friends. So the very best education comes from you. So you need to understand what is best, and that is why we pray. We pray for these children. There in, in Deuteronomy 6, it goes into even more detail. It says, to impress upon your children the message, to love the Lord your God, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one, that he is first and foremost in our life. And the Jews would take that so literally that they would write those words, put them in a little pouch, and then tie it around their forehead and their left wrist, and also on the doorframe of their house. 
And so literally all day long, they would have this in front of them, that this is what is best, that you have a God in heaven that loves you, and our first obedience is to him. So when my kids were growing up, uh, we prayed. We, we'd prayed every meal. We still do. We'd pray at night when I tuck them in. I don't do that anymore, by the way. And it would go like this. I would tell them a little story because I like to tell stories. And I would make them up most of the time as I went. And then we would pray the common Lutheran prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep. A lot of you know that one. But then we would pray about whatever was on their mind. We'd have a conversation because that's what prayer is, just talking to God. We would talk to God together. So what happened in school today? And we would pray about it. Got a big game tomorrow. We're going to pray about that. And not always to win. I mean, sometimes, you know, I'm going to offer a little prayer later for the Chiefs. I mean, you can do that, right? You can do that. But mostly, mostly it was about that God would be glorified, that they would be good witnesses. If they had a fight, pray for a reconciliation, pray for forgiveness. So first of all, pray for your children. If you don't yet have children, start praying now. <laughs> Before you have them, for the kids that you're going to have or that you hope to have, we didn't have kids for over five years, so we prayed all the time for those children that we would someday hopefully have. And my prayer is always <clears throat> was then and still is now, Lord, protect them from the evil one, because there's a lot of evil out there in the world, isn't there? And I would pray that they would always keep the faith, because there are so many distractions in life. And I prayed then, and I'm still praying, that they would find a faithful, loving Christian spouse. Because there is no one who influences salvation more than the person that you spend the most time with, your husband or your wife. So first of all, pray for them and then pray with them, but then also model this life. We've all heard, you know, don't, <laughs> don't do as I do, just do as I say. How well does that work? It doesn't, does it? And so if you, if you tell your children that God is important, but you're not praying with them and you're not reading the Bible and you're not having devotions, if you just drop them off at church and aren't with them, how important is that truly? If you say that you need to be kind and gentle with other people and yet you're yelling at the referee at the game later on that your child is playing, and I know it's the heat of the moment. But what kind of an example is that? If you say that you ought to be generous all the time, but you put nothing in the plate or give to the church, what kind of a message is that? So first of all, the, the picture, the lesson is for parents. Are you trusting your little ones to Jesus? Show it. Pray for them. Pray with them. And then model that genuine, not the perfect, but the genuine Christian life and asking for forgiveness when you mess up. But the second part of the picture is really for all of us. 
because there are children of which you are not parents, and yet you are still responsible. In fact, when we, when we baptize a child here, and you've all seen this, when we address the sponsors, we don't just address them. We don't just address the parents. We don't just address the grandparents. We ask everyone to make a promise that we're going to bring up that child in the faith. So this is for all of us. Sometimes we think it's not our responsibility, just like the disciples. They didn't want the little children to come to Jesus because they thought he was a bother. And sometimes churches feel that way too. Kids are a bother. They should be seen and not heard, or better yet, not seen at all. Let's tuck them away. That's not what Jesus is saying. In fact, he tells us as a church, you don't get to make the rules. I do, Jesus says. And, th and this is what Jesus says. He wants everyone to come to him. All are welcome, especially the children. And so we want the children in worship. We want the children in Sunday school. We want the children with you. We don't care if they have Cheerios, but share some with the pastor every now and then, please. We don't care if they have toys. We don't care if they make noise. We don't care if they cry. We don't care, parents, if you cry. It's okay. We don't care if they're dancing in the aisles. We just want them to be in the presence of God. But if you need that hour, because it's the only hour you get all week that's quiet, then send them to the nursery. That's okay, too. There should be no hindrances. We should remove every obstacle for the children so that they might know the love of Jesus Christ. I want to give you a quick story. This comes from President Buss. President Buss is, is the uh, leader of our northern Illinois district. If, if you don't know, we have about 200 Lutheran congregations in northern Illinois, of which we are a part. So he is our leader. So he was telling us a story, I think it was just last week, and we were at a, at a, at a gathering together at the point, and he was, he was telling us about an experience he had uh, early on as a young pastor with a family. And I can relate to this because as a pastor, if you have a family, I'm up here every Sunday. So who's with the little kids in the back? Their mom. My, there she's waving her hand, right. Now, there's a, there's a child there, but he's not so little anymore. But when they were little, right, she had to wrestle with three of them. Now, on the rare occasion when I wasn't up here and I got to sit back there like on vacation, do you think the children were better or worse behaved? Worse. You're absolutely right. Yeah, because now they're with daddy and they, they you know, they, they want some attention. So how do you get it? You, you, do, you act up, right? So President Abbas was telling a similar story. They were on vacation. He wasn't up here. He was back there. He had his small children and one of them began to cry. And he thought, oh boy, you know, what am I going to do? These people probably know that I'm a pastor here on vacation. I don't want them to, you know, think, think bad of me. So he took that occasion to take out the child uh, who was crying. So, so he takes the child out to the back. About that time, there was an older couple sitting in front and was turning around. And he thought, I'm getting out of here before, <laughs> before they, you know, reprimand me. Well, then the service is over and, and the whole family's in the car. So he asked his wife, you know, what did the guy say? 
And he was expecting that, you know, you're a pastor, you should know better, you should do better. Come on, what's the matter with you, that kind of thing. But no. He said, thank you. And President Vice says, thank you for what? <laughs> and the man said, for bringing your child to hear the word of God. That's why we're all here. To hear the word of God. And in Emmanuel, we want the children, all children, no matter the age, whether you're, you're new or old, whether you're a longtime member or it's your very first time, whether you're here every week or you haven't been here for three years, there's no better place to be than here. So let's remove all of those obstacles to all of our children. And then, church, let me ask you this. What kind of ambassadors are we? Are you? And what does an ambassador do? They're a representative, aren't they? When the president of the United States sends an ambassador to a foreign country, they represent him. And if that ambassador says the wrong thing, does the wrong thing, it's an embarrassment, it's a hindrance to the president. So as a parent, ask yourself, are you trusting Jesus with your little ones? Are you praying with them and for them? Are you modeling even when you mess up? Forgiveness? And what kind of ambassadors are we as a church? Finally, then, this last lesson that we see again in the picture of the little ones there in Jesus' arms. And that is this, <clears throat> that the picture of the child, of the children, holds the key to eternal life. Just as Pastor James said in the message earlier, <clears throat> having, <clears throat> having the kids here, the, in our midst, the presence of these children, it's a constant reminder of how a person is saved. And that doesn't mean that you are innocent or that you're not held accountable. So how many of you have teenagers or have had teenagers? Uh, are they innocent? Were they ever innocent? Uh, they're guilty a lot, aren't they? Well, what about two-year-olds? Are two-year-olds innocent? Uh, no, not mine weren't. The Bible is clear and says that we are all held accountable. All of us have fallen short, even the little ones of the glory of God. No one is righteous, not even one. We were sinful even before our birth when we were in our mother's womb. So that is not how we are saved. What did he say about the little ones? They bring absolutely nothing. They are absolutely helpless. A baby can do virtually nothing. It can't feed itself. It can't clothe itself. It can't talk for itself. It can't even walk. It needs its parents for everything. And we as the children of God are in that exact same condition. We bring nothing. We offer nothing to our God that would recommend us. It is not our future good works. It's not our offerings. It's not our behavior. We are like that naked little child completely helpless, completely 
dependent, which tells us how much our God truly loves us. With absolutely nothing to recommend us, he loves us anyways, and he provides for us anyways. All of those physical needs, but also the spiritual, including eternal life. And so Jesus went to that cross to die, not only for the little ones, but for all of us who are little ones, God's children. So not only could we know about him here on this earth, but one day be with him in heaven. As we close this morning in just a few moments, we are going to have a video of our school children as we celebrate National Lutheran Schools Week as we celebrate not only our church, but our, but our school, which is not here to raise anyone's children, but rather to reinforce those Christian values, to bring Jesus to light every single day, and to model what we, as God's children, should do in our lives. And they're going to talk about in this video about what they love, about Emmanuel Lutheran School. In the coming weeks, we're going to do that for all of our ministries. What do we love about Emmanuel, about Sunday school and Midpoint, in our Bible studies, in our prayer shawl group, in our choir, and on and on it will go. Do you know what I love the most about Emmanuel? <laughs> it's you guys. Because you're so welcoming. You are great ambassadors. Not only for the church, but, but for our Lord. Welcoming anyone who walks through those doors. And when you do that, it means that you can see yourself in the portrait. There in the loving arms of our Savior. And if you can see yourself in the portrait then you can see anyone. And that's what we're all about. Let's take a look at the video. <laughs> 